Have you ever wondered what the health of your wealth is? Guys, hang in there on today's show because we are going to talk about how do you know, are you ahead of the curve, behind the curve, or right where you need to be? And how are you going to know what is the number you need to have to be truly financial independent? We are going to load you up with all the tips, tricks, techniques, as well as measuring tools, all that and more in today's show. It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. 2017, Bo Hansen. It's, it's really kind of hard to believe that it's 2017. I, I kind of, whoop, whoop. I felt like it needed a little whoop, whoop. Because <laughs> it's first, first podcast of 2017. We have been coming to you for decades now. That's right. We have been doing this long <laughs> enough we can talk about because if you technically our first show was in January of 2006. It's now 2017. Decades. Decades. Uh, decades of experience of um, bringing you guys just excellent advice going beyond common sense and then restoring order to your financial chaos. Do you like it when I bring back those I, old I antique I love things? it. Th- those aren't going anywhere. Even I think we're even, and spoiler alert, you're gonna. I think we're gonna. When our new space, we're gonna we're gonna do some stuff with that. I think. I think in our new office, we're gonna have that somewhere, pretty in a pretty cool way. Yeah, we. You know, we're we're we will in the the next few months, we will be in downtown where all the action is happening, Franklin, Tennessee, which you know is a, a nice. What, 15 miles probably south of Nashville, yeah, something like that. So great place to be. We're super excited about. It. If you if you just tuned in, maybe you got some brand new gadgetry. During Christmas, this is the Money Guy Show. Go check us out at moneyguy.com. If you can write me directly at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at moneyguy.com, or my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen at Bo, B-O, at moneyguy.com. By day, we are fee-only wealth managers. We have um, somehow turned this incredible hobby where I started this with the purest of intentions of trying to help you guys truly restore order to your financial chaos, to give you advice that you weren't getting from any other source, and then you guys have loved on me enough for giving away all this free advice for now decades that we've got clients in 30-plus states. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that in the coming years that I get to tell you we have clients in 50-plus states. So if you ever want to take the relationship, was that 50-plus states? We're growing. America's growing. <laughs> Haven't you heard? we got a new president. We're growing now. We're going to go. You know, I'm kidding, guys. 50 states. But um, really appreciate you guys taking it to the next level and um, becoming clients, those that have, have decided to make that choice. And I just want to say thank you so much. We have received tons of emails. A lot of you have gone out and checked out our new firm website, aboundwealth.com. Uh, you've been so fantastic just giving us feedback. We even had a listener let us know about a typo, so that was incredibly valuable. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, if you haven't gone to check it out, go look at it. It's just aboundwealth.com. We'd love to know what you think. Does it look good? Does it sound good? Uh, you guys have a huge impact on what we do here, and we're just so grateful for that feedback from you. Yeah, because yeah, whenever you introduce something brand new, you guys, we'll say we're in beta mode. So I need you guys to kind of go out there and tell us if you do see anything, because um, as you've learned, we are a great operation in the fact that we have the latest and greatest software. We invest heavily in all the technology and tools and techniques to really do a great job for our clients. But this is what you get. So we kind of count on you guys to help us out when we're doing some of these things that aren't, um, you know, that aren't done very often. And, and a new website is a once every three or four year type event. So any help you can provide, um, thank you. So here's what we're going to be talking about today. 
And the timing is perfect. I mean, we are in the month of January 2017. I feel like it just, every time I talk about it, it's the beginning of the year. But, but with it being the first podcast of 2017, is that you guys are probably wondering, where am I? You know, hopefully you took our advice and we talked about it in previous podcasts. You did your net worth statement. So you kind of have a better understanding of what assets you have. You've put together that vision plan for what the future should look like. So you can make sure in 2017 that you've done the things you did well in 2016 and previously, but now you've also looked at things that maybe didn't land like you wanted them to. You say, what can I do to make my life both professionally, financially, work better in 2017, we're going to give you the tools to hopefully help you do those metrics better. Um, one of the things I think is is really what has driven the success of this podcast, Bo, is that money is a taboo subject. Right. Yep. You know, we just came out of the holidays, came out of Thanksgiving, came out of Christmas, and I'm sure everybody was either trying to avoid politics or all the stuff that you feel like the news cycle is just beating the heck out of and you're just so tired of it. You don't want to hear about it. But money is one of those topics that usually people try to hide from. Yep. You don't want to, you don't want to, if you're doing really well, you don't want to make people um, not feel as well as what you're doing. Or if you're behind, you don't want to go ask for advice because you don't want people to know, hey, I'm struggling a little bit. I have questions. I need things figured out. So money is such a, a whisper subject that we don't get a lot of great education. You know, that's one of the things we talk about K through 12 is even college students, people doing great things in their life. When you gra- graduate and you get out there in the workforce, nobody has really told you how to make great financial decisions. So it, it's neglected. Right. So since it's neglected, it's kind of like learning about the birds and the bees from your friends versus a biology te- you know, class or a teacher is that, yeah, you might get some of the things, but it's kind of clumsy. You don't really have it all figured <laughs> out when you, when, you, when you go down that path. And it's the same thing with kind of making sure you understand what's going on with your finances. That's a perfect example. Because I'm literally, I think it makes you I'm uncomfortable. Little, I, no, I'm literally like thinking back to like adolescence, and I'm like, man, yeah, there was well, some, yeah, because your friends some tell you back stuff, then. and you're like, that's not really, that's not the how way it's it all to works, <laughs> and that's kind of the way finances. You know, there's a reason why there's so many people out there able to sell bad products, give bad information, or there's news channels that can scare you into going and buying, loading up on a seed bank, buying you know gold yep. or these newsletters. It's because it's just an inefficient misinformation marketplace, and it's good if you can actually get somebody to just tell you what, what's really going on versus what's the noise that's distracting you and keeping you from reaching your maximum potential with your personal finances. So I have put together, Bo and I worked on this, and we talked about it in show prep. I tried to give you some metrics, mm-hmm. some measurements, so you can figure out. And the, and the two big ones we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about the wealth equation that Dr. Thomas Stanley did from The Millionaire Next Door. Um, I remember when I first read this in, in The Millionaire Next Door, I was like, man, I did the math, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I've hit that. you know. And it's one of those things I'm going to talk about. When Dr. Stanley, it was great when I was doing show research, he'd actually, you know, as we know, Dr. Stanley's actually passed away um, a, a few years back and love, love his work, and it's so great that his that his daughter is keeping all the blog posts open. She's continuing his research because there's still a lot of great resources out there. I was able to find a blog post that Dr. Stanley did from 2010 where he explained where he came up with the wealth equation 
what are some of the assumptions that went into the creation of it. And you can, what you can do is once you know what went into the design of it, if you are younger than what this equation is designed for, there's something to be learned from that. And I'm going to explain that as we get into the wealth equation. And then the, I'm also going to talk about what's your number. There was a great TV commercial campaign from ING years ago where they showed people doing very normal stuff, whether it was waiting for an elevator, walking down the street, sitting on a park bench, and they had a number that was hovering around them. And that was the magical number that they needed to grow to with their personal finances so they could be financially independent. And the, and the, the whole campaign was, what's your number? So we're going to try to help you with figuring out what is your number so you can measure that, know what it is, know what you're working towards. And then we're going to close out today's show just talking about what are some of the baseline financial things Things you need to be tracking in order to, to, to know where you are in your financial life. And this is what I get so excited about with this show, because a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today is very academic in nature. There have been research studies, and it's more classroom-based. But what's so neat is because of what we do in our day job, we've, get, we've gotten to see people... Uh, from all stages of life. I think, I think our youngest client started working with us when she was 18 years old. And we have clients all the way into their 90s. So we've kind of seen the full gamut of where people are, how they've been able to accumulate wealth, how they've been able to manage that. Um, so as we're kind of sharing some of these theorized academic ideals, we're also going to share kind of some real world practical examples of folks that we've worked with in ways that we've seen these kind of mess- manifest themselves. So it's pretty, pretty exciting, I think. No, I, I completely agree. Are we ready? You ready to jump into this thing? Let's, Let's go ahead it. and start throwing some equations out. So the first one is the wealth equation. And I told you, big fan, Dr. Thomas Stanley. I, I attribute him to a lot of the reason that I do what I do for a living. I, I read The Millionaire Next Door back in 1996. I was um, you know, working in public accounting at the time, but always had an interest in finance. And this is kind of one of those things that helped me transition to where I said, this is what I'm going to do for a living. So um, I, I always will have a debt of gratitude for him, to him and his family for putting that out there. His research is phenomenal if you if you have not read um, The Millionaire Next Door. But the actual first time the wealth equation was used was actually he had a book titled Marketing to the Affluent. Huh. And, um, you know, because that's what – Dr. Stanley was a true researcher. I mean, he was trying to put together data and understand what makes that person – who financially is doing better than their peers. You know, so you can understand if you are ahead of the curve, behind the curve, it's good so you know where you stand with your finances, so you know if you need to be catching up or if you need to be kind of pulling back on the throttle and, and hopefully enjoying life more, not being as miserly with it. So the equation is this, and there's two different ways I've seen it in two of his books. I'm just going to give the easiest version where, where you take 10%, so that's 0. 0.10 times your age times your gross income. If you want, well, that seems simple it, enough. Well, gross income of I guess your weight of your wages. I okay. think that's what he he uses. But it's your gross income. So 10 percent times your age times your income. That should be your expected net worth. So so if I'm am 40 years old and I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, and I want to multiply by 1%, my net worth should be around 400000 I do that math right? 40 years old, $100,000 a year, 10%? Oh, that is exactly right. If you just take 10% times your age, which would be 40, times your income 
of $100,000, that works up to be about $400,000 for the 40-year-old. And so if you're married and you have you know multiple spouses or whatever, we're, we're talking about you take total <laughs> – I'm not multiple spouses, multiple <laughs> incomes, not multiple spouses. Uh, so, so sorry about that. Uh, yeah, just, just stick with – Children. You, but, but, yeah, just, uh, uh, I'm going to stop bumbling around. <laughs> so if you're married and have multiple income streams, you're talking about total household income, that should be like the household's net worth, right? Yeah, and I think when I read his, it's the primary earner of income that you're counting on. Um, it's the gross income. But that gives you, but here's the downfall, because if you go read any of the blog posts or if you go read comments out there on the internet about the wealth equation, a lot of young people get mad. Because, Bo, do your equation, if you did a 30-year-old making $50,000. Okay. So 30-year-old making 50000 times point one. That uh, should be about $150,000. And a lot of you are like, whoa, wait a minute. You know, I just got out of school. If you're a doctor or something, like that. I just got out of school a year and a half ago. How am I going to have, I've got 150000 of student loan debt, but I don't have $150,000 in the bank. Dr. Stanley admits that this equation was designed for somebody in their 50s. I think he actually says the baseline for his research was at the time, and I'm sure Sarah could tell, that's his daughter, that this that, this data, she's updated it, but I, I based this off the 2010, the August 2010 blog post. I think he based it off of most people hit millionaire status around age 57. So this equation is primarily designed for people in their 50s. So if you are in your 20s, if you're in your 30s, or even your 40s, these numbers might be skewed to put a little more pressure because you just haven't had enough time for your money to be working for you. So I want to pivot and tell you what happens. But Before I pivot, though, one of the great things I think also about this equation is that if you will take your expected net worth that we just talked about with the wealth equation and you compare that directly with your actual net worth because you're doing that spreadsheet that Bo and I talk about every year, You, if you compare those two numbers, you will come up with your wealth index. And that wealth index is the famous part of the, the primary thing that you see in The Millionaire Next Door that Dr. Stanley talked about, which which was, are you a under-accumulator of wealth? A which UAW. Is a, a UAW, yeah, exactly, Bo. Are you an average accumulator of wealth? An AAW. Or are you a... Prodigious should, accumulator should, of wealth. Exactly. You know, that, that's a where PAW. It, so a PAW, a PAW, you know, because that's what you want to be. You want to be one of those hyper savers that's building a tremendous amount of wealth. And that's what this stuff will allow you to do is if you go through these equations, you can figure out what your expected net worth is and you compare that to your actual net worth. You can come up with the wealth index. And remember, if you have anything over 1.84, so if you compare your actual um, net worth to the expected net worth, and it comes in at 1.84 or better, according to Dr. Stanley, you are a person that is got balance sheet affluent, meaning that you have a, that whole army of dollar bills that are working for you are doing a tremendous amount of work, and you are doing great on accumulating assets. Um, what I want to tell people, though, who are in their 30s and their 40s, because I know you're listening to the podcast, sure. and I don't want you to get discouraged because you hear this type of stuff, is recognize Dr. Stanley knew that that was probably not fair to a younger person that was saving. So what do you tell a person who is under the 50 mark who, who's running this calculation? I always tell people there's several things you need to understand. First, all retirement software projections, if you run it when you're 30 years old, 
it's going to skew things. It has a bias either towards compounding, because that's what we have to be careful when we run full retirement plans for, you know, 30-year-olds who are doing well, because it's going to tell them some crazy number, because it's going to extrapolate the growth to, and, and it give you, and I don't want to create a false sense of safety. Sure. But it also can hurt you because you haven't had enough time for your money to work. So the biggest thing you need to focus on is building that baseline of assets, that army of dollar bills. So we always give the guidance. If you could save 15 to 20% of your gross income, that is the level of savings that is going to set you up for retirement. Dr. Stanley had also listen, listed a formula that was on the blog post from August of 2010 that somebody presented to him. He had not run analytics on it, but he thought it sounded somewhat reasonable. As he said, in your 20s, it was probably completely reasonable that you're only saving 5% of your income. In your 30s, 10%. In your 40s, 15%. And then in your 50s, hopefully you're saving at least 20%. I would encourage you to try to push that. Um, so that you're hopefully saving that 15 to 20% as soon as possible sure. because every dollar that you get working is money that you're going to allow that compounding interest to work for you. Um, but I'll, I'll do, I understand the logic and this is why I, I tell people don't beat yourself up too much when you're in your twenties, early thirties and you, your life is kicking your rear end a little bit because there's a chart that I present when we go and speak to young people. It talks about when you first like graduate college, assuming you don't have a ton of student loan debt, there's not a lot of money, a lot of obligations to you in life. Mm-hmm. You pretty much just have to pay for your rent and, um, you know, and your fun expenses. Right. But then you, life just comes and just kind of turns into a large vacuum sucking sound in the fact that you get married. Well, after you get married, you usually buy a house. Then you start having children. All those things you can start hearing life, good things in life, start costing a lot of money. I mean, having children, I mean, there was just a research piece that came out in the last two weeks, been all over the news media. I think the average uh, a child born today, it was a 3% increase over last year, it was in the $230,000 range, somewhere in there. Every child is, is over $200,000. Um, that stuff, those are obligations, that you are good life things that occur. Same thing with a house. You know, you, you now have incurred a bigger obligation. So it's not uncommon that, you know, when you're in your 20s and 30s, yeah, you got a lot of life things that are pulling on you that take away from that disposable income that you can use for saving for the future. So that's why he puts those caveats. But I want to encourage you to push the envelope to save as fast as possible so the money can work for you. Also, I've been reading a lot of blog posts from people who are retiring early. The uh, the financial independence early retiree. Yeah, the these, fire guys, the, the, these guys that are showing up on my, my home and garden TV also buying the 600-square-foot small right, tiny houses right. too. But, you know, it's, it's, it's these people that are trying to leave the workforce as, e- as early as possible. And we get the question from time to time from, from listeners saying, well, wait a minute. If you retire early, does do I need to be thinking about things differently? I'm going to talk to you because that, that transitions nicely to the next one, um, which is what is your number? And I want to I want to kind of tease that to tell you we're going to help those people who think they want to retire early to give them some some numbers to measure off of. But what is your number is such an important thing because but we even had a conversation on this earlier today. Mm-hmm. You know, you were talking to me personally. It was like so. What are your thoughts toward what's your number? I mean, that's something I think everybody, especially when you're younger, when I tell you you're in warrior mode, I'm in wounded warrior mode where, 
you know, I'm realizing that money is important, but it's just not driving things as much as it once was. So the no, it's more about purpose and fulfillment. Sure. Than it, than it is about the numbers, but it's still important. I don't think you get to the purpose and fulfillment unless you at least know what that number is so that you can categorize where that fits into your life. But here's the thing I want to share with people on how you figure out what your number is. There's a calculation I hear it at a lot of conferences. I see it in magazines where you just take what your income is and multiply it by 25. Okay. And, you know, and people go, well, that seems, that's, that's, that equation, wait a minute. I just take my income, multiply it by 25, and that's probably what I need. Do y'all know what the logic from that is? That is mathematical manipulation is all that is, is that the accepted conservative standard for financial planning on a withdrawal rate is 4%. You hear that? You see that in publications. 4% is considered the conservative accepted principle for uh, what a withdrawal rate. Do y'all know what a withdrawal rate is? I don't know. Should we explain what that yeah, withdrawal yeah. rate is? That just means once you get to retirement, how much are you pulling out of your portfolio annually? So the accepted norm is uh, if you get to a million-dollar portfolio retirement, you can comfortably pull out 4% or $40,000 a year from that portfolio. So when you hear me say, just take your income, multiply it by 25, that is a mathematical manipulation of the 4% sure. withdrawal rate because you're taking 100%, dividing it by the 4% withdrawal rate, and that gives you the 25 years uh, of, of principle that you would need. If you think the number should be 5%, then your multiplier factor would be 20. So that I'm a little a myth, Brian, because it seems a little illogical because I, I know some 30-year-olds who make $100,000 a year, and I know some 50-year-olds who make $100,000 a year. And so if you were to take either one of those two and just multiply by 25, a 30-year-old making the same income as a 50-year-old have the same retirement number? That is, that's exactly for all my, my, my people who are aspiring to live in the tiny house and retire at 35 – Obviously, if you're retiring at 30 versus 60, you should be more conservative with how much you're going to pull off of your, your assets. Because here's the worst scenario. This is, if you want to know what wakes financial advisors and investment managers up at night, it's, it's with somebody who walks away from the, re- the workforce, retires, and then they have a catastrophic performance event like 2008 occur in their portfolio in the first few years that they're in retirement because that can be just blistering and hurt the principal, the the do, army of dollar bills get devastated in the beginning if you have one of those downturns. So that's why when if you are going to retire early at 35, 40 years of age, you've got to pull off of less of your assets than a 60-year-old would. And so I, I always, I love mathematics. And you, this is why I talk about mathematical manipulation. There's always a way to figure out a way to navigate these courses. So if I told you that the math worked out on a typical um, 5% withdrawal rate because you feel more optimistic about the future, and I told you that that was going to be something where you multiplied by 20, here's the advice I'd give you. If you are retiring before the traditional 60 because all that, that 5% withdrawal rate or the 4% are based off of somebody who's retiring traditionally around the 60 mark. So what you need to do is, is you figure out the mathematics of it. If you're doing 5, because that's the withdrawal rate into a typical person is 60 years old, that's if you divide 60 into 5, that's 12. So you'd, all you'd want to do is take your actual age, divide it by 12, and that would now be what your withdrawal rate is. 
Same thing, maybe you think 4% is a more reasonable withdrawal rate for a 60-year-old. You would take the same thing, you would take the withdrawal rate of 4%, and you would, that you'd know that they, if you divide 4 into 60, that's a 15. So you would take your actual age divided by 15, that's your withdrawal rate. So if you're a 45-year-old and you, you think that the, you know, 4% is reasonable, you'll divide that by 15, so that means 3%. Mm-hmm. So that protects you and makes you more conservative, and it gives you some mathematical backing to figure it out. I hope, hopefully, that's one of those things that's not so far in the weeds. Hopefully, a lot of you guys are like, I've never heard anybody talk about that. Why is nobody else mentioning this in blogs or podcasts? I'm hoping that's that helps somebody out. But it, all it is is playing around with mathematics. And being a nerd. What's so funny is I know that a lot of you guys listen to us. Well, a lot of you guys say you listen to us while you're cutting the grass. It's wintertime, so you're probably not doing a ton of grass cutting unless you live somewhere somewhere very tropical. But a lot of you guys like listen <laughs> to us at the gym. I can see people right now like on the treadmill or sitting at sitting on the bench or whatever with their phones out doing the calculation, trying to figure out what their number is. And so if you're doing that, chuckle to yourself right now that we're envisioning you. Well, this is how nerdy I am because I know, Bo, you pick on me because I am, I'm all over the place. Mm-hmm. I do all that without those. There's no notes in front of me with all that stuff that I just ran through. It's just that's that's being a, a mathematical nerd. I love numbers and I love to think about why is this formula work the way it does, and that's what works out beautifully with doing this because it helps clients figure out what's their path forward, and that's kind of a great transition point into figuring out what's the baseline items you need to know about your own life to kind of use some of these factors. Because these formulas are worthless to figure out where you are to kind of have a measurement, a bell curve assessment of, am I ahead of the curve? Am I behind it? You're not going to know that stuff unless you have some basics. So the first thing is your net worth. Mm -hmm. If you don't know, because sometimes we just give out terminology and we just assume everybody knows everything, but a net worth is, is, is very similar to a corporate balance sheet. It is a comparison of how much do you as an individual or as a family have in assets, you subtract out your liabilities, and then the what the X is, what it equals, is your net worth. Because you're taking assets minus your liabilities gives you your net worth. If you don't know what your net worth is, I think that you're probably a step behind because you don't know you're you are a rudderless ship floating about the ocean just hoping that you're lucky enough that you land on the beach, that you kind of, when you left the, the, the harbor, you, you said, I sure hope I land here. There's no way that's going to happen unless you have a measurement of how you're actually doing the things. <laughs> and this is where it's so valuable. Once you have calculated that, you've gone and done your spreadsheet or you've gotten your napkin out and done that, once you know your net worth, go back up to the formula we just shared with Dr. Stanley, the wealth equation, and you can figure out the wealth index that we talked about. Well, if you have a one or close to one, you're an average accumulator of wealth. If your number falls below one, you are an under accumulator of wealth or you're young. So you need to kind of adjust for that. And then if you're above the 1.84, then you are classified as a, pro- a prodigious accumulator of wealth. Uh, so that'll give you a nice barometer of kind of where you stand relative to your age and income level. Yeah, and, and it, it, that's what I mean. It'll give you, you can step back, and that's what, hopefully you get a celebratory moment where you go and you get you a coffee or an adult beverage and go, that's right, we did that. What can we do to build that next step in my, my vision plan for how we distribute these assets? But um, the other part after net worth is what's your income? There are so many different versions, and people get confused about this. So I sure. want to just give some real quick definitions. 
Earned income. Earned income, whenever you hear anybody talk about what's your earned income, that's the income you actually get from um, being paid to work, whether it's wages, self-employment, but that is money you are paid from actually working. That's why they call it earned income. Unearned income is income from investments and all other sources. It's really not coming from your back, your brain. It's coming from just you got things working for you, whether it's rental property, whether it's a portfolio. That's what unearned income is. When I talk about gross income, gross income means that we want you just to literally add up all sources of income and before taxes, before retirement deductions. That's just adding it all up and figuring out what your total is from income sources. And then after-tax income is money after you've paid your federal government, you've paid your state government, as well as local taxes. When somebody says, what's your after-tax income? What do you actually have hitting your portfolio, your, your checking account each month? They want to know what's really coming in. And the reason you need to know all these different numbers is when we talk to, to prospects or, or listeners, we want to know what they're actually living off of. Mm-hmm. What's your cash flow look like? What are you on a month? What does the typical month look like for you? And it's so confusing when people say, well, I've got, I make this much. Well, wait a minute. We can't just base it off what you make because, you know, I need to know, well, what are you spending going out to eat? What are you spending on your mortgage? And that's why we'll talk about after tax because that's actually what's hitting the portfolio. That's what we need to base some of the retirement stuff off of. But then we'll talk to a young person and they'll say, well, how much should I be saving? And, and we'll start talking to them and say, well, Every month I have this much directly deposited. I'm like, well, 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 that's not a good measure for how much you should be saving. We need to know what your gross income is so we know what we have to recreate. So then we flip the script and go backwards to the top line. I mean, what is your gross number? So see, they have different meanings and different requirements. And so if you can't understand those basic terms, you're, you're, you're not having the full equation. That It goes back to that analogy of the rudderless ship. Yes, just because you bought the map. You bought the map. I mean, just listening to a financial podcast means you bought the map. You actually care enough about your personal finances that you're trying to go to the next level and make things better with how you're managing money. But if you're not taking the next step of using the map and then figuring out where you are on the map, it's just not worth it. And that's why we give you the terminology. That's why we give you the tools. We want you to get the full picture, guys. I mean, one of the most fulfilling things that happens to us on the Money Guy podcast is those of you who write me and say, been listening now for 10 years. I had this much when we started. I can't believe how much it has grown based upon the things that you guys are sharing. It's incredible. So, Brian, I have two questions for you. So I am someone sitting out there in the audience, and I'm listening. I've got two different people in my mind I'm thinking about. The first, okay, I just did the wealth equation, and I calculated my number, and it just seems unattainable. I'm way far off. I'm not close. My, the first person, my question is, okay, what should I start doing immediately? What are some tips that I should start doing immediately? And then the second person who's listening say, okay, I'm actually on track and I feel like my situation's pretty good, but I'm not sure that I have crossed all my T's and dotted all my I's. What next step should I take? Well, for the person that's, that feels like they're behind or just starting out, I think you have taken the first very important step of realizing I got to have a vision plan for my finances. I got to know where I'm going because if I'm at A and I want to be at B and I'm looking nowhere near B, then you eat that elephant one bite at a time. I mean, you take, you keep listening to the podcast, you keep going out there and you're doing the target retirement funds or things that take it away from you take the emotion out and focus on just accumulation. You got to, you got to look at 
am I am I working on the right job? Am I spending too much on lifestyle instead of, of building for the future? Those are the things. Now, for the other person you asked about. So, and you're so what you're saying, Brian, is if I am someone behind, my thought process needs to go to how can I accumulate more? How can I save more? How can I build more? Not how can I go find the next Google before it's Google? Yeah, I think that that's that's we all have to be careful. Look, I hope you find the next Google before it's Google. I mean, but it's just those are those are those exciting times. And look, there are. I, I tell this, Bo, you've, you've heard me say this to every associate here, is that I've been through enough market cycles that there are times that you're going to feel like you could drive a truck through the opportunity. Um, but find, that's not finding the next Google. I will tell you, that's not what happens. What happens where you have those drive a truck through opportunity moments is we will hit another downturn. Stocks will go completely on sale where you'll have beautiful companies that are valued very fairly and then they get crushed and they go way below their intrinsic value if you use that Warren Buffett talking point. And that, those are incredible opportunities. And, but that's, you're going to be successful whether you're buying the S&P 500 or whatever because you're buying tremendous value. It's that whole be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when others are, are, are greedy. But, um, that's, that's something that I think you can take inventory of and find those opportunities, but you need to have a plan you know, be methodical. Getting wealthy is boring. I, I think that, you know, unless you invented something, you know, we have these conversations all the time. Sure. Unless you've invented something or you've, you, you're a small business owner, or you bought a, a, a plot of land right in the middle of something that turns out to be incredible. Those are the people that come into those windfalls or you win the lottery. But the majority of you guys, and that's what the whole purpose of the Millionaire Next Door is, is that the majority of people who get rich through discipline and doing what they, you know, and making the right steps of saving and paying and creating that army of dollar bills, it's boring. But it's a beautiful boring. So so if I'm that second person, and I, and I feel like either my situation is in a, a good place, or maybe I'm already retired or I'm entering into retirement, uh, and I, I think my numbers are good. I calculated my wealth equation. I calculated my number. I feel like I'm there. But I'm just not sure that everything is optimized the way that it should be or the way that it could be. What are kind of some next steps there? I, I, and this is the part I always get. <laughs> I, I have a hesitation in my voice because the, the last thing I want this podcast, look, obviously we mentioned at the beginning and at the end, we like to take relationships to the next level. I mean, so I think that's crazy if I don't at least tell you what we do for a living. But I don't want this show to seem like it's a, an infomercial. I want you truly to be able to come in here and get information. But what you're getting at, Bo, and I see what you're talking about, is that it probably is that you're at that point. We see it all the time when people reach out to us. They say, look, my assets have grown to a level. I just do not feel comfortable making decisions without having somebody help me out, look over my shoulder, because it's just... Too valuable to make a catastrophic mistake at this point. Or I have a spouse who cares nothing about what I'm doing. I'm a nerd just like you guys, and I've built this tremendous value up. I just want to make sure if I fall off the earth that somebody is here to kind of pick up the ball and help my spouse out through this situation. Yeah, I, I see what you're getting at, Bo, and I, and I think that's what I would advice I'd give is that when you build this thing up, you take a lifetime of working hard uh, – it's crazy not to get somebody because that, that's what I, you guys know. I talk about it. If you have assets less than $250,000, go buy a target retirement fund. Go to Vanguard. Go to Fidelity. Buy those low-cost funds that, you know, you're getting good diversification and, and you can focus on what you need to be doing, which is accumulating and building up that baseline level of wealth. 
However, there does come a level of wealth that I think that you might be missing some opportunities. I mean, we've had brilliant people that I consider very good at making mathematicals, financial, and other life decisions, doing just great work, but they just don't know what they don't know. And that's the part that I think can be very helpful. But we turned two equations into a podcast. Um, it's it's unbelievable. Um, now, here's what a little, little Easter egg for those of you who have made it through the whole show. <laughs> We're about to close out, and uh, it didn't make sense for me to do the normal disclosure. I mean, you know, so you're going to notice we have a new disclosure. We have a new outro music. We're hopefully by, by popular demand from some of our listeners. <laughs> some people like that one, though. If you remember when I first started doing it. So thank you guys for listening and um, supporting the show. As Bo mentioned at the beginning, go go to, to aboundwealth.com. Check out the new website. If you have listened to this and you like the equations, you like how deep we went with this thing, and you're like, I like what they said, but I'm, I'd, I'd like, I need somebody to kind of give me a checkup to tell me if my portfolio is doing what it's supposed to. Am I structuring things right? We want you to reach out. Take your relationship to the next level. You can write me directly. That's Brian, B-R-I-A-N at moneyguy.com or my co-host, Mr. Bo Hansen, Bo at moneyguy.com. And then kind of last thing to close it out. We went on iTunes. It had been, it had been a few weeks. The holidays got busy. We haven't been out to iTunes. Thank you, you guys outstanding comments on iTunes and that means the world to me and um, I hope you know we really appreciate that. would not have been able to do any of this without your help and for you to continue to listen to the Money Guy Show. So keep sticking with us. We're going to have an incredible 2017 and we're going to walk you through every step of it and help you take your finances to the next level and restore order to your financial chaos. I'm your host, Brian Preston. The Money Guy Podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. (laughs) 